This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. From the ArmeniaProud.com studios. Genatsat Hayed. This is a toast to Armenia with Jono Kabinjian. A comprehensive look at the Armenian culture only on lineupmedia.fm. Genatsat, Genatsat, Pailuis, and Spesek, my friends. How are you, Brian? Oh, I'm doing very well. Uh, Brian, uh, this week, you know what? Uh, I was like kicking back trying to find uh, something good, some good segment out there. And yes. uh, I seen Rafi. Uh, you remember Rafi? I remember Manesh, Rafi, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rafi's in uh, Turkey, part of a Western Armenia, I should say. Okay. And, uh, man, I just said I, I like to call Rafi up and find out what the hell he's feeling, how what, what's going on over there, and... Uh, I mean, I always said to myself, one day I would like to go back, but something always haunts me yeah. on that whole realm of, I mean, I just feel like shit went down here. Yeah. It's something went down here that wasn't pleasant, and uh, all the ugliness, I guess, covers the beauty of, of what was once ha- yeah. part of Armenia over the, there. The I, way I've, I've once heard it described is that the blood cries out to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it really takes a lot for an Armenian to go back and uh, see and feel a little bit of Armenia. But again, it's. Uh, I guess it, it's kind of taken over on a different perspective now. Yeah. So, in any case, uh, we we were fortunate enough to get a hold of Rafi, and Rafi said, "You know what? I'd love to uh, come on the show and tell." Uh, the audience about it, and uh, hey, Rafi, are you out there? Rafi? Hey, Jono. Hey, how, uh, I'm how you here doing? In, uh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm tr- still trying to process uh, everything uh, since since flying into uh, Istanbul and then going to Western Armenia uh, on this incredible trip that I've had, and and also trying to process the fact that I just witnessed a revolution in Armenia about you know five right. six weeks ago. So this has been a, an interesting, um, you know, six weeks, that's for sure. But uh, thanks for calling. And I'm, I'm actually speaking to you from Van, Turkey. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'd love well, to share whatever experiences you're, you're looking for. Rafi, what made you uh, hop on the plane? And uh, was there any problems getting on the plane and uh, going to Turkey and all this? Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, no problem. Well, as... As with a lot of us um, in the Armenian diaspora, um, we come from a place, and that place is Armenia. And our uh, majority of, of, of us uh, were in the United States or Europe or Russia because um, the, of the Armenian genocide. So that thing that you said was unpleasant that took place was the Armenian genocide, as we know. And um, half of my family, my paternal side, is from Sepastia. Uh, which is now called Sivas. That's right smack dab in the middle of Turkey and is the basically the the gate to to Western Armenia. Mm-hmm. I decided to go um, because I was very curious about where my roots are from. 
I had always been told stories of, of places like Moosh and Van and Kars and Sepastia and all these, all these historical Western Armenian places. And I had this kind of notion and vision in my mind of what these places kind of looked like, looking through you know, old photos of the genocide and before of what these places looked like. It didn't correspond to obviously what the reality is today. And so real quickly, three years ago, I decided to kind of take on a personal challenge to go to Turkey. And as with a lot of us, um, I grew up in a household in which Turkey or Turkish or anything Turkey was uh, considered uh, evil. And so, um, you know, growing up in that kind of a household, Mm -hmm. um, I also grew up in that type of a community. I, you know, tend to like to kind of break barriers and break taboos. And I said, you know what, I'm going to fly from Armenia. I'm going to go to Istanbul. I'm going to challenge myself for three days and see how I feel and just check out this historic city and try to see some Armenian stuff while I was there. So I went three years ago. I made it through about two and a half days before the last half of the day. I said, you know what, it's time for me to go back. Um, I'm not feeling very comfortable, but I'm glad that I was able to kind of challenge myself. I was supposed to go to Western Armenia at that time. <clears throat> Things, can, can I, can uh, I back this well. up? There was a war. R- Rafi, what were you yeah. looking for? What, what, I mean, here the whole taboo on going to Turkey and all that, but what were you looking for two and a half years ago when you went? I was looking to find out where my roots are from. And um, that summer, two and a half, three years ago, I decided to go to my maternal side's um, uh, kind of birthplace location. So my mom, my mom's father is from Meri, Armenia. And when I went to Meri, Armenia, and the small little village near Meri where he was born and raised, I found this incredible sense of belonging, of kind of this light bulb that went up in my head and I said, you know, now I get it. Now mm. I'm able to kind of put a, an actual place to the stories that I heard about. Right. Then I decided it was time to go to the other side of the family and go to a more taboo place. And that is Western Armenia. So I was looking to kind of get that same stimulation and that same, I had that intellectual curiosity of knowing where I'm from and how does it feel? So when I, when I landed in Istanbul about four days ago, um, I, I boarded a flight to Sivas, Turkey, um, you know, formerly called Sepastia. And on the way there in the, in the hour ride, um, I shed a few tears. Uh, I was listening to some Armenian music. And as we touched down, wiped the tears away, kind of got over it, and looked out the window, and I had a very tough time looking out the window knowing that this is kind of one of the many places of the killing fields of where Armenians perished uh, at the hands of Turkey right. and, and the genocide 103 years ago. Sure. But I got off the plane and uh, I took my luggage and went outside, took a cab, went to the Hilton Garden Inn in Sepastia and Sivas. And I had met an Istanbul Armenian, prominent Istanbul Armenian, one day before I, I left for Turkey. And he said, there are going to be two people waiting for you at the airport, I'm sorry, at the hotel, that are going to go ahead and take you to your grandfather's village. And that village is called Goldun. Um, and I said, uh, you know, sir, thank you for arranging this, but who exactly are these people? He's like, they're Armenians. They don't know Turkish, uh, they don't know Armenian, and they don't know English. 
And I and I, I looked at him and I said, guess what? I only know English and I only know Armenian. So how are we so, going to communicate? Yeah. He's like, don't worry. You'll find a you'll find a way. So sure enough, uh, two guys came and in, in in very broken Armenian. I mean, they know probably like three percent Armenian. They said, let's hop in the car, and uh, they pointed and they said, that guy in the back is a Muslim Turk. I'm like, well, why are they putting me in a car with a Muslim Turk? Uh, and these two Armenians are going to take me to this village about 25 minutes away. And and as we're driving, one of the two Armenians knew um, Armenian a little bit better than I thought. And so we were able to communicate, and I told him, you know, why I was doing this. And he said, I know the contact in Armenia went ahead and told me. And as we pulled up to Govdun, and Govdun is a village that's, again, right outside of, of Sepastia, Sivas, and is known for two things. It's known for the fact that many, many years ago, pre-genocide, it was known as an Armenian village that produced, um, you know, is basically a farm. And so it was, it was a, a farming village. The other thing it was known for was the fact that the great, great Armenian fighter, Sepastatsi Murad, was from that village as well. And as we went into the village, the place was a dump. Um, it, you know, half, half of the, the village, and there's only 30 families. Uh, and of course, there was a mosque in that village, uh, a newly built mosque. Um, half of the building structures were old Armenian homes built out of stone in which I would say 95% of them were pretty much destroyed. And it, I found out very quickly that the Muslim Turk that was with us was actually our gateway into that village because he had a relative that was either like the, the mayor or some prominent figure in this small little village. And we had to go to him and ask permission to take photos. And he said, absolutely. And I started snapping photos and, and taking you know, movie shots and the two Armenians said, point, you know, they would point here and say, take picture, take picture, take picture. And as I rounded a corner, they said, take movie. I rounded this corner of the stone building. And it was really long. Uh, what appeared was the front of an old Armenian church with a hotchkot on the bottom of the, uh, uh, of, of the structure. And this is the church that I had kept hearing about in this village. It's a pretty powerful moment. And um, we quickly went ahead and took other pictures, and then we got out of there. And um, as we left the village, um, I basically said, what are we going to do next? And they said, we're going to go to our house, and we're going to meet some of the Armenians in, in Sivas. Now, Sivas is 350,000 people. And... As I found out, the Armenians that live there know, do not know Armenian, but they are 100% Armenian to the core. It's just like living in America and not knowing how to speak Armenian, but you know and you're proud of being Armenian. Right. There are 40 people left, 15 families, and we spent the next six hours talking amongst each other the best way that we could and just, just talking about you know, what Armenia is like, you know, what is it like to be an Armenian here? Um, and we luckily had a translator who was from Armenia that was married to somebody in that family. And she stopped by, and then kind of the conversation flowed. But to think that 
Sepastia, a place where a lot of Armenians call home, you know, ancestral home, mm-hmm. only has 40 people and 15 families left. It was incredible. Daniel Varujan's home is near here. Um, the Govdun Church is near here. There is a church that is absolutely intact that is within a Turkish military base that nobody has access to. Um, and we were able to kind of peek and take a look at it um, from the gate. So haunting, eerie, but very, very beautiful. The next day, I get on this 15-hour train ride from Sivas, Sepastia, all the way to Kars. Um, for about eight hours, we're, we're hugging the Euphrates River. And I'm literally taking a train through Western Armenia, some of the killing fields, and also just this incredible, lush beauty that is that is out the window of this train that I'm on. And to say that it's paradise would be accurate because the, the physical landscape, the rivers, the mountains, the flowers, the, the lush green grass was stunning to me. And I felt a real sense of loss of the fact that, man, we, we lived here at one time. Our people lived here at one time. And now there's nobody left. I get to cars, um, stay overnight. Uh, there is a church in the middle of cars that um, is now a mosque. Um, drove through cars. Very interesting city. If people are familiar with Gyumri, it looks much like Gyumri does. And, you know, saw a lot of important things there, Armenia-related. Um, then went ahead and took a, um, took a, you know, a driver took me to Van, where we were able to see um, Ahtamar Island with a group of Turkish architects that were very interested in the architecture of Armenian churches. Um, the 20-minute boat ride from the shore to, to, to Ahtamar Island was stunning. And then after that, went to Von Fortress, uh, Old Von City, um, most famous for the defense of Von, where um, the Armenians kind of repelled the, the Turks for a certain period of time. And then um, basically drove around the city, was pointed out various you know Armenian things. And my tour guide from Kars is an ethnic Kurd. This guy had absolutely no problems saying the word Armenian genocide. He knew more about Armenian history than I did. He was able to kind of point out all these obscure little details about things. And whereas in Kars, which is 50% Azerbaijani, it, it felt a little sketchy to me. Here in, in Van, it feels very, very comfortable in the sense that when I pulled up to the Hilton Garden Inn, I'm sorry, the, the Hilton Doubletree here in Van, there was a Turkish flag, there was a Hilton flag, there was two other flags, and there was an Armenian flag, and I couldn't believe it. You're kidding. And it finally dawned on me that 80% of the people that live in Van are Kurdish, and they love Armenians, whether they love them for the tourism aspect or the fact that you know we live together for, for very long. They make no bones about them being the instrument of killing Armenians during the genocide. They make no bones about it. They're very upfront and honest. And they apologized every time that I saw them. Every time I was, I met a Kurdish person here, they apologized once I was introduced as an Armenian. So quite the opposite of what I felt. I thought that I'd be scared. I thought that I would, it would be very awkward. I felt like I'd have to kind of hide my identity. 
but it was quite the opposite. They were, they were celebrating the fact that there was an Armenian here and that they were very proud to show us, you know, all of these different monuments and all these churches. And, um, so it's, it's been a very emotional journey, I would say, but to see these lands 105 years later from what a very ugly history happened with us is, is, is really interesting because now it kind of puts a lot of the stories and the negative stories and the terrible stories. And now you can kind of take a look at it for what it is. And that is that this is essentially a Kurdish populated area. Most of Eastern Turkey is. And that uh, these people understand and accept the genocide. They know what happened. And, um, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. But I think that it's almost like an emotional closure of, of, of your Armenian identity. Now, you know, I fully know where I come from. I saw the village. Was there closure? That my family comes from. Yeah, there was. There was. I... I never, no longer feel angry or bitter or upset. I, I, I feel like it's time to move on. And if these people know exactly what happened and they can speak about it openly, and they speak about it very openly, then I'm good with that. And um, that these Kurds have a problem with the Turkish government, and so do we. But at the end of the day, um, right. you know, I'm not sure what we can do to, to change it. Um, but but how, I encourage everybody. To, how did the to come to, how did the Rafi? How did the Turks perceive you? Not the Kurds, but the Turks. I mean, uh, were they skeptical? What what was their uh, whole front? Before I left for Eastern Eastern Turkey, okay, Western Armenia, I, I was told by uh, this this contact in in Yerevan, who is an Istanbul Armenian. Who, who comes and goes, you can be very open about the fact that you're Armenian. I chose not to be open, okay? I went right from the airport in Istanbul to the hotel. I crashed, and I got up the next day, and I went to Sivas. I, I, just, I just didn't want to uh, – I just didn't have the time or the energy to basically go into Istanbul and kind of you know, mess around there. So in, in a sense, I really didn't speak to very many Turks because from the minute I landed in Sepastia, I have been either with, you know, friends of family of, of this contact, um, or I have been with uh, this Kurdish uh, tour guide who has got an encyclopedic knowledge. But I will tell you two stories. When I checked into the Hilton Garden in, in, in Sivas, in, in, in Sepastia, they looked at my name, they looked up at me, they looked down at my passport again, and they looked at me. And they were very upfront. And they said, why are you here? I said, oh, I'm just an American tourist. Um, I'm just touring around and it seems like an interesting country, an interesting part of, of, of your country. And then they asked me again, why are you here? I said, I'm just a tourist. The guy had a smirk on his face and um, looked down, checked me in, and I went to my room. The next time I got that questioning was again at the train station in Sivas, which is very small, it was the uh, security guard, uh, looked at my passport, looked at my ticket, looked at the name, and literally kind of hurriedly came over and said, what are you doing here? It was the same question. From what I've heard from this Kurdish tour guide and from other people, there is this myth 
that Armenians are coming back with maps to go ahead and hunt for treasure that was left behind by their ancestors, typically around churches. And so, um, you know, whether or not that's what they were thinking, I don't know. But it, 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 it kind of reminded me of that myth that a lot of people have talked about. But I, I will tell you this, is that the Kurdish tour guide that I was with did say that a lot of the churches that are abandoned, that are destroyed, that are completely, maybe they're intact a little bit, that treasure hunters have already gone there into these, into these Turkish villages. Treasure hunters have gone there, and they've dug up all around the church, inside of the church, looking for these possible treasures. And um, so it's a myth and possibly a story that uh, people seem very, very kind of afraid about um, when they see Armenians here. Treasure. Uh, or maybe they're spooked. I, I literally felt like, a, like an American Indian. <laughs> I felt like right. an American Indian in the sense that, uh, you know, it's the same feeling of American Indians basically going to the Southwest. I felt like, you know, an American Indian coming to Eastern Turkey and people are looking at you in a slightly different way. So I think Turks have a very, very different uh, way that they perceive you in Eastern Turkey. In Istanbul, it's not a problem. People are, you know, educated. They're, they're, they're cosmopolitan. You know, an Armenian, they, they kind of tend to look at us as something exotic and all that stuff. In Eastern Turkey, it, just in these two incidents, um, it's a bit of a different feeling. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, when they when they say the word treasures, or when you're saying the word treasure, that was our belongings. That I mean, if we're doing anything, we're just hiding it so we could come back and. I, I mean, treasures makes it sound like, you know, it's something that uh, you you find and you you celebrate. I mean, that would to me was Armenians hiding this or hiding that just so one day they can come back and get it I, I you know I don't know man it's a uh, to me I, I I'm experiencing what you you're talking about on, on the train and I'm seeing I'm seeing this in my mind the river I'm seeing mountains and I'm thinking wow that's beautiful wow I, I wonder what they did to an Armenian at that spot or so I, there's a lot of uh, catch-22s uh, as you're telling me er everything that you experience as well Look, look, Jono, um, you know, it, there's no secret that, you know, during the time of the genocide, um, a significant part of the Armenian population could not believe that the Ottoman army and, and the, Turk, the Turkish police would turn on them and kill them. In fact, a lot of them were killed because they simply didn't leave. They, they didn't believe that this would happen. So in keeping with that thought, from what I've heard in, you know, history books and whatever, yes, the, there were people that, that, you know, went ahead and put their belongings underground and, you know, maybe in a year or two they would come back. Right. So it's that kind of myth that has basically fueled a lot of this kind of, this speculation. And um, if you actually do some research on this topic, it's, it's interesting. I didn't believe that this really happened until my Kurdish tour guide said this really does happen, that they do go ahead and dig up stuff. Now, what I will tell you is this. I tried to go in there with a very clinical, surgical approach of, I'm just going to go here, and I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go here, and I'm not going to try to get emotional or anything like that. And for the most part, I wasn't. 
except for on the, the plane ride from Sebastia, uh, from Istanbul to Sebastia. However, I will tell you this, is that being in a city of Van, which is over a half a million people easily, just in the city center, when I was on the top of the fortress looking down, and there's a 360 view, and there's a call to prayer going, because I'm here in the middle of Ramadan. Uh, it was a very spooky, eerie feeling, because you look down at the old city of Van from the fortress, and it's basically destroyed with a couple of things still left, and they're typically mosques. Um, then you turn a little bit to, you know, to the right or whatever your perspective is. You've got this beautiful blue lake. You know why the Armenians fought so hard to defend Vaughn, you know, during those times. But the thought did run across my mind, and I actually did ask my tour guide, where are the killing fields? Where, where were the killing fields here? He just said... Looks like they're pretty much over there, which is where nothing is growing right now. And um, so I, I did have those really spooky moments. And, you know, when you're when you're in that kind of a thought process where 90 percent of the time you're trying to be positive and you're looking around and all that stuff and trying to be nostalgic. But when you think about the fact that these are killing fields, in essence, and then the call to prayer hits you during Ramadan it was a very weird feeling and I actually captured it on Facebook and um, kind of saw it sent chills down my spine. But again, this has been kind of a closure uh, for me. I, I've seen now where my grandparents are from. Um, it, it is what it is. It's, it, it's physically beautiful. Uh, the Kurdish culture here in Eastern Turkey is also, it's an interesting culture. It's, it's, it's rich in many ways. Um, and, and there are people, there are a, you know, specific ethnic minority that have their own distinct language. They have their own distinct traditions that are separate from Turkey. And now they've got to deal with the fact that they're in Turkey and, you know, there's a war that's been waged against them. Um, so now it's, now it's their problem, you know, and, um, let me ask you, so yeah, I, I would encourage people to go. Let me ask you this hypothetical question. If Turkey ever, now I, I've asked other Armenians this too, if Turkey ever recognizes the genocide and if Turkey uh, says, you know what, we're going to give back this uh, land to you, we're, gonna, we're giving it back to you, would you, would you go back there and take it? Um. So you're you're basically painting the picture of a hypothetical that yeah, I think of will course. never happen. Yes. But if if I if if I had to answer this question based on what you put it, um, I, I don't I don't I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Um, in, in part because you know I'm, I'm pretty comfortable right now in, in in Armenia where where I live part of the year. And I'm kind of committed to making that place you know, a better place. And, um, you know, I wouldn't because the fact of the matter is, is that there are 80 percent of the population in Bonn, for example, is Kurdish. And as much as I respect other cultures and people and all that kind of stuff, it, it's just not the type of environment that I want to be in. It just it just right. it's culturally just incompatible to 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 what I want in my life at this point. So no, I would not I would not be yeah. back. I, if if that, you know, hypothetical I, came true. Right. And I think that that's Turkey's concern 
that uh, hey, we would have to give back their land and all that. And uh, you know what i i would I would accept just a fire, a twenty four seven type of eternal fire that uh, that goes off in Istanbul on on the on the notion that uh, this this is uh, to remembrance of the Armenians that uh, a bad chapter in Turkey's life and all that. And I, I think they've went so far into it, the treasures that we've hid. I mean, they, they make us sound so cynical that we got an agenda. We got an agenda. And our only agenda is going back just to see what it was. I mean, just to, just to comprehend uh, where our grandparents are from. That, that's all we're looking for, man. And I'm glad you found closure on that. I did. I did. And um, I also found that there are a lot of good people here in Turkey. Um, and, and it breaks my own kind of you know, notions of what I was you know, raised to think and, and the community that I grew up in. And, uh, you know, so I think in, in many ways I've evolved as a person. I've, I've, I've evolved as an Armenian. I've evolved into thinking of people in a more humanity, I mean, a humane way. Um, there are a lot of very good, good people here in Eastern Turkey. I, I don't want to be a tourism board for Turkey. That's, that's not right. My right. goal here. Um, oh, I got it. Um, but what, but what I would say is this, is that if you have the curiosity to know where your grandparents and great grandparents came from, and you heard these stories and, we do, let's say, the Seppo bar at the AYF dance in Sepastati bar, and we we sing this song for Moosh. You know what? For me, it wasn't enough to to listen and dance to these songs. I wanted to know what the place looks like now. I wanted to see the reality of it. And as I look out right now from my hotel room, I'm looking at Lake Fawn. I'm looking at a snow-capped mountain right around me. I feel very comfortable here. I feel very comfortable and I feel at peace with myself knowing that 105 years later, I'm the first one in my family to be able to go back to the village of my grandfather in Govdun, right outside of Sebastia, with my head held high, knowing that I did return and that they didn't kill all of us off. And the fact that there are still a few Armenians left. As I sit here and kind of look outside my window, literally, in the city of Vaughn, I'm looking at Lake Vaughn, knowing that, um, you know what? I have closure with the history that we've had, but all the taboos and kind of all of the complexes that we've had. And, you know, the fact that I encourage anybody that's curious to see where their roots are from. Um, who, who knows? Maybe next year it'll be dangerous here. Maybe the next year it'll be safe here. But I chose a moment in time where I felt it was right for me to kind of kind of rediscover and kind of know where my roots are from. And I, I'm, I'm really happy about it. And I'm, to be honest with you, I, I owe everything to my grandparents who were able to kind of weather the storm, get out of there, um, but I'm sure that they'd be happy knowing that I went back. Sure, sure, Rafi. That's uh, that's beautiful. And again, uh, we don't know what the weather brings in the future. And uh, 
if they're uh, if these Turks are right now this passive towards uh, having us uh, come visit. Who knows next year? Or the, I mean, folks, uh, it's really uh, w- when Rafi mentioned to me uh, or mentioned to us right now uh, about what are you doing here. I mean that that was the intimidating way of saying what are you doing here or was he I I don't know how how did you take that when uh, they asked you what what are you do what are you doing here Well you know we have our complexes and they have their complexes and let me be very clear ethnic turks in eastern turkey is one thing okay and that's what I'm talking about right now ethnic kurds in eastern turkey are a completely other thing. So I'm talking about ethnic Turks in Eastern Turkey. Okay. So the complex that I've got is, huh? Well, they see that I'm an American, but my name is very clearly Armenian. So when they ask me that question, the first thing that pops into my mind is, Oh my God, they know I'm an Armenian. And why are they asking this question? Mm -hmm. Why are they asking me why I'm here in Eastern Turkey? Because it wasn't an innocent thing that I felt. On their end, I'm sure they're asking, like, what is some Armenian doing here in eastern Turkey? And maybe, just maybe, okay, they're thinking of these stories that their parents and their grandparents told them about Armenians with maps coming back and trying to figure out where their house is in this village. And maybe there's some sort of treasure dug deep in there. You know, these things do happen, and and people do go back to these villages with maps in hand because they they do want to see where their grandparents' house is. Sometimes they knock on the door, and they say, look, my grandparents used to live here. There's nothing you can do about it now. But, you know, in eastern Turkey, it's just a very different dynamic than Istanbul. In Istanbul, whether they're going to tell you or not, People don't seem to care too much if you're an Armenian or not. In fact, they may embrace it. In Eastern Turkey, just on these two little incidents I've got, it's still maybe a little bit of a taboo for them. Hmm. Wow. All right, Rafi, that, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I I don't know if I could do it. I don't. I I mean, it's uh, asking a lot. I I'm not I'm not sure, but. It's definitely something that uh, I think Armenians do ask themselves. And uh, when are you headed back to Armenia? I'll be headed back in two days. I have been invited by the um, this kind of prominent Istanbul Armenian who's about 70 years old. He's a civil engineer. His family's been in Istanbul for, 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 you know, for generations. And he graciously, through... You know, the, the beauty of the Armenian network, you know, worldwide, no questions. I mean, I just met this guy for 20 minutes in Yerevan. He arranged everything for me here. And so he's going to take me to the Armenian schools, to the, to the Armenian nursing home, to some of the churches in Istanbul. And I'm curious to see this stuff. Rafi, I got to ask you, is there any chance that you can make contact with, uh, uh, Garo Pelan? I don't have that kind of, uh connections and um it, it, right now it's a very delicate situation from him for him as i've heard so he's right yeah right. there's if you just look online just right 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 i got you find right. out what's going on I yeah got you, yeah yeah but what i would say this you know kind of i guess in closing really would would be that um 
I don't think coming to Eastern Turkey or Western Armenia is for everybody. I don't think everybody has the stomach for it. I didn't. I just kind of forced myself to do this, just to challenge myself, just through curiosity. And what I found out was that the reality of the situation it's, is much easier and much more relaxing and much more um, real than, than our complexes about coming back here. And are they going to arrest us? And are they going to go ahead and put us in jail? Are they going to kill us? Are they going to harm us? No, it's, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think so because that's just not the vibe that I've gotten. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I would say is that if you're going to come here to Western Armenia, Eastern Turkey, I would say come with a guide. Either hire a guide or you know, have contacts and connections. Uh, sure, you can backpack it. You can do the train like I did by myself. But I knew that leaving Sebastia and going to cars, there were people that were going to see me off and basically pick me up. Um, so, you know, if you just go as an American tourist or a Canadian or, or a European, I, you know, you don't have to reveal that you're, I mean, you even take a chance, but maybe if you want to just amuse yourself and just, if you're curious, say that you're Armenian to a Turk and see what they say and how yeah. they react. I really think the political world right now uh, with Turkey, I, I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying I'm American going there. I mean, there's a lot of things happening with uh, Turkey and America. I, I think I, I would feel a little safer if I did say I was Armenian, to be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. The day before I left for Istanbul, which was on the 18th or 19th, I can't remember, last Friday, I, I was, I was going to cancel my, my trip because of the stuff that's going on between Turkey and Israel and the you know, U.S. involvement. It's like there's no way in hell that I'm going to go there under this climate and be an ethnic Armenian. But after talking to the Istanbul Armenian, he said, look, don't, don't worry about it. Just go. Um, nobody's going to bother you. You're going to be taken care of. I went, and I actually, actually, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm happy. Uh, it's been a profound experience in many ways. And you know, the advice that I would just give you is um, either go with a group of people or just go with guides. And right. don't be afraid. Um, don't be afraid. The, people are very friendly here. They're very outgoing, you know. Uh, they they like the tourism that's coming in. There's very little of it these days. Some people like the Armenians, and those are the Kurds. Um, so if you're going to go to Eastern Turkey, Western Armenia, I personally wouldn't worry about it at all. I, I I had complexes going in, but coming out, I feel great. All right, Rafi. All right, man. Thank you so much, Rafi. I, I mean, welcome, John. Every time you get a little insight like this, we've had past guests that. Uh, we're in Turkey and all that, and I just pick up a little thing uh, from them on each each time that I hear that they're in Turkey. So, thank you so much, and uh, safe travels, my friend. And uh, we'll talk thank to you, you in the near future. You got it. Hey, listen, you know, every time I talk to you, I got to always say this because don't bring up you your Boston talk- Celtics, right? Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I won't. But what I will say, I will bring this up, is that uh, I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of this show and the people that work on this show. You started this thing a couple of years ago and uh, you've built it up to where it is now. And, you know, you're talking about wine. You're talking about people in Armenia that are breaking down the revolution that happened. Um, music. I'm in Turkey. Um, you just have a wide range of guests. And I know that this is coming from your heart. And as a fan of the podcast, as a listener, I appreciate it. 
Thank but you I appreciate so much, the fact that you called me. And, uh, and you know what? Your whole team, not just you, but your whole team, well, I does appreciate a great job. It. And, that, um, that means it's a, a lot. service to us, man. That means a lot. Thank you so much, Rafi. Thank you, my brother. Uh, all right, Jono. All right. Take care, and uh, we'll talk soon. You got it. Take all right. Care, man. Wow, that was great. Folks, that was Rafi Maneshian, and uh, he's actually calling us from uh, Turkey. So we're we're everywhere. Um, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure if I'm sold on it yet. But you know what? There's a lot of Armenians out there that do want to go back and uh, just try to vision. Try to. I don't know. I I, I don't know what I want to vision. That's that's it. I I don't know. But uh, in any case, uh, it is a segment that uh, we have to definitely find inner peace somehow, some way. I don't, I don't know if it's going back to Western Armenia. If I just I don't know if I would be offended seeing mosques. I don't know if I would be offended even seeing these friendly Kurds in uh, what's what was once an Armenian house, and and now they got goats and sheep running around left and right inside my old living room. I I, I don't know. I don't know, Brian. That, am I making sense? Because yeah, you know, you I, absolutely are making sense. Yeah. yeah, I I I mean, I can't even possibly imagine what it's like to uh, to be in that kind of a situation. You know, I mean, it's it's got to be incredibly emotional. To to be in the you know ancestral home of your family, and just seeing how like knowing the history on on how it all played out. I mean, that's got to just be yeah. It, it's got to be heavy on the heart, you know. I I mean, you hear about the Jewish people that go back to like Auschwitz, yeah, and uh, and that to me. I mean, that was one concentrated area. That was that's where yeah. it it all went down. But if I'm on a train or I'm walking, and I'm seeing a mountain, or I'm seeing the I'm seeing water, or I'm seeing a cave or something, my mind is playing real, real horrific tricks on me to yeah. say that something could have happened there, something could have happened here, so there could have been. Uh, dead bodies over there. I, I mean, yeah. that's that's the type of uh, that's the magnitude that I would experience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, when that plane land, and I'm not, I, and I'm not downplaying anything that a Jewish person yeah, goes no. through. I, but I'm saying that when that plane lands in Germany, they still have to have a drive uh, to where still they're at peace with themselves. But once they get into that. Uh, concentration camp that the uh, Auschwitz or whatever. Now the whole complicity changes that there was evil here. Yeah, there was uh, horrific situations of death here. And to me, as soon as the plane would land in Turkey, I would feel that. I yeah. think so. I don't know. That's understandable. I get it. I don't know. Anyway, my friends, I do know that. Uh, uh, the support that we're getting from you guys is unreal. I'm sorry lately. It's been kind of slow. I've I've been trying to – what I've been trying to do is get some real, real good guests on the show. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like, we'll get back with you and all that. So I've been dealing with that. But Anush has been 
on the ball, and she's been really picking up the ball for yes. me. And uh, her interviews are outstanding. And I listen to Anush's great work that she puts out with all these wine people. And uh, thank you so much, Anush. And she's got a segment again. Yeah, I know. I know we ran a little over, but uh, it's a double treat here because yeah. Anush uh, brightens the day up here with a great wine interview. Uh, welcome back to another segment on Armenia Proud. This is a wine segment with Anush where I get to share my wine knowledge and I also get to interview wonderful people who are in the wine industry. Uh, people who visit from Armenia or abroad who have Armenian heritage or anything to do with Armenia. So today uh, I have a wonderful guest who traveled all the way from Argentina, uh, Juan Chaglasian. Hi, how are you? Hi, fine, Anush. Very nice being here with you. Thank you so much for coming. It's uh, on the show uh, to share your story. But before we get into I wanted to thank um, Armenian Arts for providing this wonderful space for me to uh, conduct the interview. We have, I've been here a few times, and um, great atmosphere, wonderful art that we're sitting around. Uh, welcome, Juan. How, uh, what is the purpose of your visit? Are you here for... Um, uh, to have fun in California, or it's a business? Well, a little bit of both. Uh-huh. Uh, mainly, uh, you guys invite us to participate on the Guinea Fest. Uh-huh. Uh, on the Guinea Fest. Guinea, Guinea, <laughs> Guinea Fest, yes. Um, and, and, and then also we use the opportunity to, to get to visit Los Angeles and California a little bit. So... Um, you have a winery and a vineyard in Mendoza, Argentina. And uh, tell, tell us, please, how did you decide to establish a winery there? Um, yes, we do have a winery in, in a little hotel in, in San Rafael, Mendoza, in the province of Mendoza in Argentina. It's a wine country. It's like uh, Napa Valley is from California. That's what San Rafael is for for Argentina. Uh, we established our uh, vineyard first in 2005. Um, I still was living in Houston, and back, going back and forth, we planted each plant in the vineyard, and we uh, studied the soil. We we decided the the varieties of um, uh, grapes that we want to plant, and, and that's how we we start. Uh, my love for, for the wine comes very, very back to my childhood when I heard st- stories from my grandmother, Susan, uh, the mother of my mother, uh, that even died with a bullet on, the, on her nose running through vineyards, uh, escaping from the Turks back, the, back then. And always, I always had this love for vineyards because I always thought in my dreams that um, the vineyard saved um, my grandmother's life. So then I, I wanted actually to uh, backtrack. How did you? Um how did you arrive to Argentina? Were you born there? You know, which you, you yeah, somewhat answered that, you know, your ancestors are com- come from Turkey. But uh, tell, tell us that story. I'm, it's very interesting. Sure. Um, my, my dad and my mom's both sides are from Armenia. Um, 
and they some of them were born in Argentina, some of them came very little, some of them born in in, Argen in Armenia. Mm -hmm. um, they were very big, big family, both sides. I was born in Argentina. Um, along with my sisters and everybody else in the family that uh, were uh, the, ch the children of uh, these, these guys that came from Armenia. And um, we, we established uh, in Buenos Aires, which is a huge community of Armenians, uh, probably one of the biggest um, outside of Armenia. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and nothing. We just grew up with Armenian heritage and love for Armenia, Armenian food and Armenian culture and Armenian school. And uh, Armenians, doesn't matter where we are, we're going to be Armenians anyways. That's true. And, um, and, and we love the food and we just... Uh, we talk about the food, and the, the the Sunday tables were as long as a train, just full of food, and, and um, that's how we. And wine, and of course, yeah. wine was uh, one. Wine was always on the table, uh, of course, Argentinian wine, but I was always on the table, and and I and they. They talk about wine like they knew what they were talking about. They knew how to drink it more than we. <laughs> that's. The, I think that's one of the uh, biggest parts of the wine is that, you know, you should know how to drink it and in, meaning by you, you need to enjoy it. Exactly. It's not all about the technicalities. It's not about all the, um, uh, you know, pretentiousness. It's an agricultural product that goes well with food and it's part of the food and it's the, the enjoyment of it. So um, how did you um, end up in Houston? Well, uh, in early, <laughs> early 19, 1980s, um, uh, I had the opportunity to to immigrate to the United States. I was um, working as a tile installer uh, back in Argentina, and I been asked if I wanted to come to to the states to work, just like most of us that immigrates from other for, from all over the world. Yep. And I did, and I am glad that I did. Um, and I just um, worked my way out from from the tile business uh, in 2005, when I just um, purchased these lands in Argentina with the idea of changing just a little bit of the life and starting another another business. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did uh, back then. With so, the idea of, uh, of building a winery and making the wine with or our own grapes. Yeah, that is that, that's wonderful. I um, I spent like we talked about. I spent uh, quite a lot of time in Texas, not in Houston. I visited a few times. I really enjoyed uh, living there. Uh, I studied there. I got my um, master's there and worked uh, in the wine industry. Great people, very hospitable. Um, did I say the right one? Hospitable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something uh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so while you were in Houston, were you thinking all the time, okay, I'm going to go back to Argentina, I'm going to go and I'm going to establish a winery? Or it was like one day you woke up and you said, okay, this is, what it, this is, is my next step in well, my actually, life. Actually, that's a good question. No, but when, when I got there in, to Houston in 1985, I um, became a very good friend with a Lebanese guy. And one day to the other, he says, okay, you come back tomorrow and you tell me. You're going to have two 
feet in, 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 in Houston or you're going to have two feet in Argentina, but you cannot have one foot in each place. Yeah. And I decided to stay in Houston. And I stayed in Houston for almost 25 years, and I just, or oh, something like that. And I, and I, I really never thought in coming back to Argentina until one day, you're right. I decided from one day to the next to say, well, this is it. Uh-huh. We were building. We were doing great on the on the construction and the remodeling. And one day I said, no, this, this I, I don't want to do this anymore. And yeah. that's when I went to Ar- to to Argentina and purchased the land and I. I just like like I mentioned before, we mm-hmm. we we created all these new business, but with with all always with the, in the back of my my mind, the idea of um, honor, like I said, my grandmother, and all this heritage of having this big table with wine from all yeah. over my childhood. This is the I um, I think that was that was the the main reason that I just wanted to make my own wine and put my the name of it and and, and always we um, uh, put our heritage of uh, the eternity symbol on the label because I thought that we need to carry that around that's wonderful I mean it's uh, um, it, it's it's such a great story and that's what's um, uh, I think very exciting to uh, find people like you who are uh, in another country who had immigrated or um, escaped the genocide and went to other country and established themselves and uh, preserved the Armenian heritage and are carrying it uh, forward, uh, which, like you said, it's on your building. I see it on your label. It's a delicious wine that we're having now. Um, tell, tell us more about... Um, uh, so you said the winery was established in 2005. You planted the vines. And when did you start the production? Well, we planted the vines, and, and we cared for them. Um, and we uh, were trying the grapes uh, almost every year. And, and then, in our opinion, it was the grapes weren't mature enough mm-hmm. to to make wine yet. They were young. They were just um, herby. You know, it has this herb uh, finish, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to make it. And we didn't want to also purchase grapes from uh, other farmers mm-hmm. because we want to just make the, the wine with our own grapes. Yeah. And so until three years ago that we decided that they were mature enough to, to make our own wine. And that's when we, uh, five years ago, we started building the winery along with a friend of mine who is an architect, also Armenian background. Uh, his name is Marcelo Leal Barutian. He's, okay. uh, he's a wonderful man, very good friend of mine, but also he's an amazing architect. And he came up with the idea of having this facade of our building with the Norabank uh, representation, mm-hmm. Norabank uh, monastery. Nor- yeah. And, and which so is actually in Aravnadzor, Yeregnadzor um, uh, region, region. Uh, which uh, is one of the uh, best regions for growing Ardeni varietals. Exactly. Yeah. That's so it is like the same setting. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, Obviously, Nora Bank is in, in an amazing 
a place uh, sitting there like like a queen, you know. It's amazing, Noravanki. When, when I was there, it, it was very moving. And it, we, we, we were so fortunate that when, when we went out of the building, uh, it was the priest in charge of Noravanki, and he signed uh, um, Noravanki picture, and I took it to our place, and, and, and it was just like very moving. Very and, nice. and we did the same along with Marcelo, the architect, uh, on this building, uh, similar. And, and, and we created a little Armenia in this little place. Uh, Amazing. We, yes. And, and everything, even the, the, the inside of uh, the passages from one room to the other in the winery, there are um, these arches representing some sort of Armenian architecture. Um, uh, we have our symbol everywhere. We, we, we always talk about that we are Armenians, that we are doing this uh, uh, just to have a little bit of our history in, in San Rafael. And that's how we started, and and now we build the, the winery, and, and the winery along with uh, the grapes and and the care on, on the on the vineyard, we also have um, a state of the art equipment. Mm-hmm. We we brought equipment from France, uh, a, a important imported all the equipments, and we we have stainless tanks, we have barrels, uh, we have everything that. We need to make uh, good quality wine, and, and I think we are accomplishing that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the wine is beautiful. It's so um, it, it's it's very um, full of flavor. It's very mature, like you said. I mean, I um, I haven't tasted the grapes, like you said, when they were uh, younger. They were more herby. But this wine is very elegant, very sophisticated. Has a um, nice palate. Um, what um, what what are the varietals besides Malbec that you have? Because this is the Malbec that we're drinking. It's 2017. Very nice one. <laughs> Thank you. We have Cabernet Sauvignon, mm-hmm. and we have Tempranillo. Okay. It's a, it's a grape from Spain. In fact, the, the, the plants were brought from Spain. And, we, and the reason we did Tempranillo is because we studied the soil, mm-hmm. and along with the knowledgeist and the agriculture engineer, uh, we decided that the best variety for that particular um, soil that we had in the vineyard it was Tempranillo, Tempranillo. and and so we use it for a, for the blend and also we do a variety by itself and it, it came out very well um, and we have Chardonnay okay uh, also a, a very good clone and that we also planted uh, in, in 2007. Um, and so now we 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 did a, also a champagne a champagne method. Wow, that's exciting! And we did a Chardonnay wine. Yeah. yeah. So we have the three varieties: uh, champ- uh, three Marbe, reds, Cabernet, uh-huh. and Cabernet Sauvignon, uh-huh. and Tempranillo. Uh-huh. We have a Chardonnay, and we have a, a, a champagne a champagne method. Very nice. I mean that's um, that's a good amount of uh, variety to have. I think that's beautiful. Yes, uh, we're gonna concentrate on quality more than in quantity. Yeah, uh, we 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 want to create a wine with our enologist. His name is Gustavo Mosso, and he's in the business for 
more than 35 years. Mm -hmm. he, he, he's an enologist with a lot of experience, um, but also is, is, a, is a, an excellent person. He's a personal friend of mine as well as the architect. I, I believe in, in the... In, the, in people first and then in their profession. Yeah. And both of them are wonderful people. And with Gustavo, we, we believe in quality and we believe in, in maintaining the, the origin of the, of the, and the flavor of the grape itself, of mm -hmm. the variety itself, not invading the, the grape or the wine with oak or with other flavors, just preserving the red uh, fruits and the... Mm -hmm. Terroir uh, of the, them. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and just enhance it with a little bit of oak, but just the enhancement, not the covering the, yeah. of, the, of yeah. the wine itself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, a, a, a little bit, like a few of the technical questions, because personally it always interests me. Um, so, um, do you have? Do you use French oak or American oak? Both. We do both. both. Yes, uh, and for different, we, we mix. We mm -hmm. do a mixing of the barrels with uh, different toast levels, mm -hmm. and also different um, uh, American and, and mm -hmm. French. Mm -hmm. uh, do you we do like a blend of uh -huh. oak, okay, and then uh, we we just. And then you blend it exactly. in with the main. That, that's what, it, what yeah. we do. Because uh, Tempranillo typically uh, goes well with the American oak. And that's exactly standard, what we yeah, do. It's the standard Rioja. Uh, 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 Tempranillo, we do only American oak. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Malbec would be great with uh, French. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, or combination. And combination. Yeah. And so is Cabernet. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yes. That's very exciting. So um, the wine... Are you um, are you selling it through the uh, winery? Is it in uh, Argentina in the retail? Uh, is it when is it coming to United States? And how can the listeners? Because I'm sure uh, the listeners are going to be looking into buying this beautiful wine. Well, I really hope so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> soon, it's beautiful. Soon we're going to bring it to the to the state. Uh, now we are only selling it in, in Argentina, mm -hmm. uh, in a very uh, few uh, wine stores, and, and are also through our guests at the hotel, mm -hmm. and, and some few, just few restaurants. In fact, some of the few restaurants are Armenian restaurants. Oh, how exciting! Yes, we have an yeah. Armenian resto in, in Buenos Aires, in Palermo, that we uh, sells our wine. Um, in uh, Sarkis is another restaurant, but uh, in, we didn't bring it to the U.S. market or European market yet. Um, hopefully, we, we will soon. Yeah. And as soon as we do, uh, you guys <laughs> that are the listeners will be the first ones to know. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, um, th this is like drinking. Um, uh, Argentine wine, but also Armenian wine. <laughs> uh, it has it has both flavors <laughs> in it. <laughs> Anush, uh, put it this way: it has the passion of an Armenian, yeah. with the very uh, strong words and hands of an Argentinian and Armenian together. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Uh, but the cook. passion is Armenian, yeah, and the and the soul is Armenian. Uh, we did we did everything thinking that we're gonna represent our last name 
which is Armenian, yeah. all over the world. And, and with that alone, we, we need to do things well. Absolutely. Because that's what the Armenians do. Yeah. Well, um, of course, when you put your name on a bottle, you should uh, um, follow it up with a quality. So that, that's the association that people um, That is absolutely with. true. Yeah. And um, tasting this Malbec, I can say for sure that the quality is right there. It's a beautiful wine, like I said already. Uh, where? So, so what is the goal um, of, uh, what's your main, like, ultimate goal? To the ultimate goal will be to bring this wine to the to to this to different markets. Uh-huh. Um, United States, because of the love I have for this country, um, because it, it just hold me for many years and 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 always care for me, um, and I have um, I always grateful for that, and I would love. I would love to bring our product to the United States market, um, but all, always uh, backing in, backing the product the product with uh, with quality. We we need to make sure that this is the best that we're gonna bring, and, and that's what we are doing right now. We're working our way to to bring the best product in the market. Uh, our main goal to also will be to bring it to markets that represents Armenia, like Los Angeles. It's a huge community of Armenians, and mm-hmm. I, uh, we would love to bring it out here. And we would love to show our wine and this com- uh, upcoming event that you guys have, uh, the... Guinea Guinea Fest. Guinea Festival. <laughs> Guinea. Guinea stands for the Guinea Wine. Uh, so fest wine festival <laughs> okay. Guinea fest. and, and and we'll be there and we're gonna show our wine uh, and, and hopefully meet a lot of wonderful people and talk about them talk about our project with with them the, well I, w- I wish you I wish you success and I'm sure with the uh, quality that you have it's going to be it's just a matter of logistics for you bringing the wine in here and it's going to be very successful I know that a lot of uh, friends, uh, Armenian family members too, they love actually Argentine Malbec. And I'm sure if there is a um, choice when you go to the store to buy one Argentine Malbec versus the other one, I'm sure the choice is going to go like it, it going to go towards and um, uh, your wines because uh, you know we have to support each other and also not only just that, but because it's a great wine. If nothing else, I would like for them to try it. And, and, and once they try it, I'm pretty sure they're going to buy the second bottle. And that's, that's, what I, that's what our goal is if we have one, yeah. for them to buy the first one and to repeat with the second one because yeah. it's, uh, everybody can buy one bottle of wine. Yeah. The problem is to buy the second one. Yeah, And exactly. that's what our main goal is. And that's what we always focus. Uh, and not to only, all, only buy, uh, sell one bottle. No, we need to sell two bottles or more to one person. Absolutely. I don't think we talked about the uh, hotel that you have on the premises. We touched it a little bit. I just wanted, uh, you know, with the summer coming up, some of the listeners might be traveling to Argentina. So you have a hotel that also has a restaurant in it, like a bed and breakfast? Uh, it is a boutique hotel. Uh-huh. And we have um, breakfast for sure. Some days on the week we do um, 
dinner. Okay. And we do dinners. In fact, we I sometimes do dinners on an Armenian dishes. Okay. And right. We I personally cook, and and also we do um, Argentinian dishes like Argentinian barbecues. Mm, you know yeah. that are we yeah. are very famous yeah. on that. Uh, the hotel is also uh, is is also in San Rafael, in the same premises as the winery, uh, uh, surrounded by the vineyard and and. A very nice piece of property that mm-hmm. people enjoy a lot with a view of to the mountains and very close from all these uh, attra- attractions like the can- the canyon Atuel Canyon, which is a huge river. Uh, they have uh, Las Lenias, uh, that is a ski resort, and we have many, many, many activities uh, uh, very close from the hotel. Um, we have uh, water activities. We have mountains. Uh, people that love to go to the mountains, they have uh, four by fours. Um, um, yes. it's, it's very nice. So so there you have it. If you are planning on um, traveling to Argentina this summer or any, make sure to uh, check in with, um, it, it's called Chaglesian Vineyard. Chaglesian Winery and Suites. Winery and Suites. And uh, the, there's a website, which is... It's Chaglesian Winery and Suites. Suites.com. Yeah. And also on Facebook, check, check it out and uh, book your rooms and go taste the wine and have a great time. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add to our conversation before um, we see you next time in June? Well, actually, the one thing I want to ask, I want to add, is the grateful that I am that I'm with you guys. Thank you very much for having me here. Uh, it's an honor for me to be here with you. Thank you so much. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Naidi, whom uh, because of her. We met. Uh, thank you, Naidi John. It's uh, I'm so happy I met you, and I'm so happy now I met your cousin. Uh, once again, wishing you lots of luck. Looking forward to have you here June 10th in Los Angeles at our Guinea Fest. Uh, till the next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Anush. That was a great interview with one Shaklasian, and uh, that's in Argentina. Wow. Yeah, I know. And we've I got love Argentina. finding out about all of these random, uh, you know, places. Like, I didn't even know this existed. How many Armenians are in South America? I tell you what, we have a large community in Argentina. Really? In Argentina, we do. That's, wow. uh And I got a great friend there, Gare, you know, goes by G. He's a yes. sports guy. He's in Argentina. I can't believe it. I'm blanking on that. Because also, if you remember, the musician uh, Michael Sarian right. also uh, had the connection to Argentina because right. he lived there for a while. And right. So, all that. Yeah, totally totally blanked on that out. large works community out. in Argentina. We gotta, we gotta, that's one thing about it. You know, uh, it all stems back from that uneventful 1915, April 24th, when all this you know, went down in Turkey and uh, we went everywhere and we stayed strong. The diaspora still to this very day, we say we're proud Armenians and we'll do whatever uh, we can to help Armenia. And, uh, you know, if I see an Armenian walking down the street, uh, I'd like to say hello. I mean, that's the way we are. And maybe that's not the same as in... uh, Glendale or uh, California because, uh, you know, everyone's an Armenian walking the streets and I would look <laughs> kind of psychotic walking up to one and 
just keep hugging people left and right. But I, I think in St. Louis, I, I think uh, wherever I, I go outside of this country, I, I, I don't know. I just want to embrace Armenia. I don't, yeah, I get it. it is. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening to the show. And you can find us at uh, ArmeniaProud.com. ArmeniaProud.com. On your uh, right-hand side, you got Amazon. Click on Amazon. Shop away. We encourage that. We get a little love back from Amazon. Also, we have YoRadio.com. YoRadio.com is a new feature that we have on Lineup Media. And that, that is all about music. It's... Uh, it's uh, matter of fact, that's your show too. All well, about music. well, follow the sound. Follow is, the sound. Is my I always podcast, I'm sorry. obviously. But in any case, uh, we have all different types of uh, uh, music. Uh, what? What? Tell us a little bit about that, Brian. Man, it's uh, we have a bunch of stations. We are adding more stations every week. Uh, we've got just all different types of genres, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, rock and roll. We've got punk, hardcore, metal. It's we've all got free. Rap, hip hop, uh, Celtic music, like you name it. We've, we've, we're, we've either got it or we're working on getting a station together for it's, it. It's so. all free too, my friends. You can't beat that. And, and that's uh, part of uh, lineup media. And you can go to YoRadio.com, Y-O Radio. Dot com and download it and it's free app there so you can't go wrong thank you so much thanks again so much brian i mean uh without you this doesn't go down and rafi and anush and uh juan chaglasian thank you so much for your wine in argentina take care my friends genazza kisher party we'll see you next week Tune in next week for another episode of A Toast to Armenia with Jano Kabinjian. Find the show online at armeniaproud.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation at facebook.com slash armeniaproud or Twitter at armeniaproud. Get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.